0: I watched our wedding video not too long ago, Sherry.
1: When did you do that? Why? When? when? Oh, when I don't know.
0: You? A few weeks ago. I, I love our wedding video because it wasn't shot professionally. Yeah. We, it wasn't even anything that like we arranged for or right. contracted. Right. It was a friend of our parents who came out to our wedding with his camcorder. This was 97, 1997, so lots of people had their handy-dandy little camcorders, you know, the size of a cinder block mm-hmm. that they carried around and had fun with. And this particular gentleman who shot all mm-hmm. this video f- for our wedding weekend... He was rather enamored with my Aunt Karen, if yeah. you remember. Now, my Aunt Karen is beautiful, but she's also like constantly super done up. Like yeah. I, I remember as a overdone. kid... Overdone. Overdone. <laughs> I remember I mean. as a kid, we would, they had a pool at their house. They lived in New Hampshire and we lived in Indiana, so it was a long way away, obviously. So we just saw them one week a year and we would one day of that trip to New Hampshire to see all the extended family... We would go to Karen's house to go to their pool and I was always just so enthralled watching her walk around the pool because she always wore, what's a long, what are big heels? Like three inch heels? Is that a big one?
1: Yeah, that would be pretty high. Like stilettos. But she always had heels. I don't remember stilettos.
0: She always wore these tall, tall heels and when we'd go to her house at the pool, She couldn't put her heel on the ground. Her foot was like permanently molded to the heel. So she just walked on the balls of her feet with her heel way off the ground. And I would just stare at that like, what is that? That's so weird. But so Aunt Karen, who, you know, she's she's still... (laughs) We just adore her. She's so... She's just one of the nicest humans that there ever was invented. But she's always... You know, done to the nines. Is that how you say that? Like, her hair yeah. is always done, and her makeup always, always, always at the pool, regardless. Big hair. And her hair so is. So,
1: can I just. Very big. Yes, it's very big. It's definitely like when you think of like. And this is not because I want to represent her as being trashy, but when you think oh. of like the MTV show Jersey Shore and how they were all like glam. Yes. the girls were all like super glammed up. Glammed up and big long nails and tons of eye makeup and yes. thick cakey makeup I and mean, big hair.
0: You can say that to describe the look, but not the but person. But not the person. No. Such a wonderful person. Sweet,
1: sweet, genuine
0: yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. So so Aunt Karen is at the wedding obviously. And she still has a great body, too. She does. She's yeah. what we're we're in our late 40s, she's I don't know. She's in her seventies, probably, right? Yeah. Still, just beautiful. Late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. So at the wedding, which was twenty-three years ago, she's looking great, and the the guy who's got the video, <laughs> the camcorder, is just enthralled by her. So when he's shooting, you know, video at the wedding, and I'm sure he's had a few beers, uh, when he's he's uh, taking video of everyone dancing. Every time he comes across Aunt Karen, he like. Zooms in on her, like, zoom in, out, in, out, in, out. And, like, wowza is, I think, what he says on the video a few times. There's and a point
1: where my nephew, who's, like, 12 at that point, is, like, dancing. And he's not, like, intentionally blocking, you know, the recording.
0: But he's but like, get like, out of the way, kid. Knocks your nephew out <laughs> like, of the way.
1: Oh, I mean, I think it's Trying to get a shot of Aunt Karen's yeah. butt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there there was some layers and some sheerness to her dress that the sun coming in from the windows kind of illuminated the, the inside layer that was very fitting of her dress. And then it was a little like chiffon. I'm sure the cameraman wearing. was,
0: was just angling to get the sun just right. For yeah. That. He is, he's a friend of the family. He's a really good friends. My parents sadly divorced now. Um, when I think about that video, I think, not surprisingly, yeah, I don't know why they got divorced. It's, I, you know, I don't want to say anything more about that. But, <clears throat> but yeah, he liked Aunt Karen's butt, that's for sure, and on Karen in general. But so that got me thinking about our wedding. And Sherry, I want us to talk about a story. I want us to talk about the story of our wedding, the side that not many people know about really nobody until our book came out. Our book was the first time I've ever written about the night before our wedding and our wedding. So it's it's out in the public domain now, but it wasn't until uh, just the 23rd of September was our book release date, Sober Evolution Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Now available uh, and selling well. Very pleased with how it started, but if you would like a copy for yourself, just go to SoberEvolution.org and you can see the many variety of ways that you can order the book. But so In Sober Evolution was the first time I talked about our our wedding story. Not, not the story that everybody knows of. You know, the story that everybody knows of, Sherry, is you and I worked really hard on a dance, a swing dance that we choreographed. We worked on it for a couple, two, three months before the wedding. And then at You know, some point in the wedding, we had the DJ put the song on, L-O-V-E, by Natalie Cole, originally a Nat King Cole song. And we danced to that. That's the thing that people remember. Uh, Was there anything else memorable about our wedding? I mean, food was good. People were wonderful. But there wasn't anything that stood out. It was a normal 90s wedding.
1: There was that big festival Oh, yeah. Kirkwood. We planned poorly, but pursued.
0: That festival planned poorly. (laughs) In fact, I remember our wedding was on the calendar before that festival was. But so, yeah, big music festival right outside the church. And they had to stop the music fest for, I don't know, 45 minutes for our ceremony. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a a thing. And then when when we came out of the church, they called us up on stage and gave us a bottle of champagne, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So...
1: So the wedding party came up and
0: yeah on the stage. So that was a great yeah. way to to start the wedding night. That and the dance were kind of, but but otherwise it was just a normal wedding, and I don't think anyone, really anyone, was any the wiser to the trauma and terror really that took place. And I'm not being dramatic. I mean, when I look back on our wedding night and the night before, it's among the worst nights of my life, and that's why I didn't write about it until the book. Pretty much, you know, most of the other terrible incidents that we've experienced, I have written about before the book, but uh, this one haunts me. So let, I, but it's an important story to tell because I think it'll resonate with people. So the night before the wedding, the plan was my, so my groomsmen and. My friends from out of town were all booked into the same hotel. I think it was a Holiday Inn. I don't really remember. And I had a room there, too. And so I was going to stay with all those guys the night before the wedding. You you lived just like 20 minutes away from where we were getting married. Half an hour. So your plan yeah. was to be home at your... You, at your mom's house, basically, the night before the wedding. Mm-hmm. And so, me and my guys went out. This was in Bloomington, Indiana, where we went to school at Indiana University. We went out on campus, not on campus, but on the bars around campus the night before the wedding. And you and your bridesmaids did the same. Right. And we didn't necessarily like plan it, but we ended up hooking up, right? This is pre-meeting up, pre-text yeah. messages, pre-cell yeah. phones. Yeah. So I don't remember how we. I think we had cell phones.
1: We just didn't really use them that much. Because uh, you had a cell phone for Yeah, I guess work. so. I guess I had yeah, a work. Yeah, and phone. I had one. Yeah. But we just didn't use them for like, you know, always knowing where somebody is. Right. But this was, you know, this was like the second week of weekend of September, and school had been in session, so it was like full college party scene on, you know, a Friday night.
0: And we were only 2 years out of college, so we blended right on in with the college kids. We had no problem. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In fact, a couple of our people still and friends still live there cuz they were doing grad work. Yeah. Or just still hung
0: around because they got a job. So. So, you and your girls meet up with me and my boys. Do you even remember what where we were? Was it Upstairs Pub? I don't know why that rings a bell. Doesn't I
1: remember at one point going to the Bluebird, and I don't know if the Bluebird is where we met up, hmm. because I ran into some people from my high school.
0: So, um, so I don't met- know
1: if that's where we met up, or if it was...
0: So we meet out at the bars, and, you know, everyone's drinking. I mean, it is party atmosphere, not only because all the college kids are there still, but also it's the night before our wedding, and everyone who's in town for the wedding is in town for a party. Mm-hmm. So... The drinks are flowing. Do you, At some point, you and I start arguing. Do you remember why or what was going on?
1: No. I I feel like there was part of the beginning conversation was like you were trying to get me to stay with you in the hotel room. I mean, we had been living together, so it's not like, you know, a few nights apart was going to kill us. But I feel like that was one of the sources of contention.
0: Okay. It's entirely possible. It sounds like something I would do. I mean, there's there's like, that no. superstition of not seeing each other on the wedding day before the wedding, but we had already planned to do the the wedding the pictures, pictures before before the wedding because we didn't want to were... make everyone stand around and wait for us to do pictures after.
1: Yeah, we didn't want to hold up the reception. Right. And, um, yeah, and you actually were one of the you were the only person that saw my wedding dress like because we lived out of state, and I went and picked it out, and I wanted a second opinion. Oh right. And, and I didn't have any really good friends that I felt like I and it didn't matter. So you saw the window. So it was like I think that was part of it, and also I think it was probably if like just guessing, I'm sure it was because I was drinking, but I was also worried about how drunk you were gonna be. Yeah. And hung over the next day, or if you were gonna be hung over. You didn't really get hangovers much, but maybe I was worried about how much drinking was going to go on the day of the wedding.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, I I mean, well, right there, you just made a good point. The reason we did the pictures before the wedding instead of after was because we didn't want to hold up the reception. We wanted to get right to the party. So, you knew where my mindset was. I was out the night before the wedding, drinking heavily with my friends. I know we had a limousine ride between mm-hmm. the church and the reception and I knew that there was going to be alcohol in the limo. You know, you were probably one worried, I think it was a three o'clock wedding, how much I was going to drink before the wedding because it was still going to be me and my buddies hanging out at the hotel before we, mm-hmm. we went to the church. So I'm sure that there was tension on your part for how much I would drink and... But the but the you know, so it it was probably partially that I wanted you to stay at the hotel. I don't remember that, but I believe you that that's not a hard thing to to put by me. I mean, that, that sounds like me. It was probably partially your nervousness about how much drinking there would be the next day, same thing. I don't remember that, but I wouldn't put that past you. That's the kind of thing that you would feel mm-hmm. but because I
1: know that when we were planning the wedding, there was a lot of conversation around the alcohol situation. And we just didn't quite have the funds and finances to have an open-ended bar. And we ended up lucking out because we worked at a college bar and we got a really good deal and really cheap. And I remember your dad was like, it's got to be an open bar. I don't want people paying for and so well, they helped with I, that, and I, and I know either, you, you didn't either. But I, I, wanted, I wanted an open bar. But I wanted it to be somewhat contained and controlled. And
0: you well, guys were like, "It was not." We no. ended up with an open bar. Yeah. But on the night before, but so, oh, so that was just another thing that was weighing on your mind was the yeah. fact that it was going to be an open bar. Okay. Yeah. So on the night before the wedding, we're drinking. I'm drinking probably more heavily than you. You've got that drive home. Now, not to, you know, not to paint you like an angel back right. then. You had been drinking and you yeah. were going to drive home and you had been drinking more than you should have to be driving home. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. But you were probably conscious of the fact that you didn't want to hang over on your wedding day. Annoyed with the amount I was drinking and was going to drink. And then there was the contention over whether you would spend the night that night in the hotel with me and just get up in the morning and drive home and get with your family then to get ready for the wedding. But so the, the, I guess the point is these are all worries, normal, I guess semi-normal worries, contentions things that you can deal with in a relationship except there's one problem. We were both drinking. So at this point I was not an alcoholic. Right. I didn't drink and I still every day. I drinking. could go periods of time between drinking. There wasn't the compulsion. It just didn't feel the way it did eventually. I didn't have a physical or or a, or a mental addiction at this point. But I did love to drink. And so here we are drinking, and these otherwise manageable discomforts threw us into a tailspin. And it got bad. The fighting got bad. Mm hmm. I don't remember exactly how we parted company with the rest of the wedding party, but the guys drifted. They probably just went to another bar and I didn't go with them. I mean,
1: I feel like we were sitting outside of like one of the bars, like in a small little like park at some point. So we were like alone. Yeah, we probably separated ourselves. I mean,
0: there's no question that even though, you know, it wasn't like outrageous Screaming, yelling, hitting, fighting, anything like that. There's no question that they all, both sides, both the males and females in the wedding party could tell that we were getting tense and it wasn't going well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember when we worked in the bar together bef- before back in college, you know, I-, I remember one of the people, one of the managers, of the bar was like, you know, there's no way you guys are going to make it. I mean, your boyfriend and girlfriend now, but there is no way this relationship is going to survive because they would see us drink and bicker, and drink and bicker. And so, it didn't. I don't think it surprised anyone in the wedding party when we started bickering after we had drank. So we we separate ourselves. The boys eventually make it back to the hotel where we were all staying. You know, the girls, same thing. They made it to wherever they were staying for the night. And you and I got another hotel room. A separate hotel room from the one where all the guys were. Because we were going to work it out. We weren't I mean, gonna... in a
1: different hotel.
0: Yeah, a different hotel yeah. entirely. Yeah. Just, you know, a couple miles from wherever the wedding party was staying. Mm-hmm. We got a hotel room because we were going to work it out. Because we didn't want to, you know, get married under such bad circumstances. And we... Sp- I don't remember anything that we talked about, honestly. I know that I somehow got booze to bring back to the room. I don't know if I got a six-pack of beer or something. But I remember there was booze in the room, so I kept drinking. And I think you were probably done drinking by then. But we went back to the hotel room that we got that night, spur of the moment, not planned, and stayed up until, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the morning arguing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know and it it wasn't the worst argument we've ever had it wasn't the worst fight there wasn't you know i didn't we didn't tear apart the hotel room we didn't we didn't do any damage we didn't scream and yell at the top of our lungs, and the police had to come nothing Nothing like that happened, but situationally, it was one of the very worst arguments of our life and one of the worst nights of my life because it was the night before our wedding, yeah, and we were just at each other's throat,
1: yeah. I do kind of remember like going to sleep and setting the alarm. Like I remember us staying up late and arguing and I do remember it wasn't, I do remember sleeping some.
0: So we got an hour or two of sleep. I, th-
1: I think I like, cause our wedding was at three thirty, and I had like a hair appointment back in Bloomington at like one. So I had to go home to my mom's house 30 minutes away. Shower, get ready, and come back with my sister. So I think that, like, I think we slept for a few hours, like three or four hours maybe.
0: Okay. But we stayed up.
1: But we stayed up, Until the
0: early morning hours before we got our little mid-morning nap. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: And I remember going back to meet up with the guys, and I remember being like, well, actually, we went to Denny's for like a late breakfast which would have been that would have been typical this this is not a time in our life where we would have been at breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning right? Uh, bad night or not like that just would not have happened so it was probably, probably like a 10 a.m. breakfast or something like more brunch and I remember they were like what happened to you and I made something up and told them and they were like okay and they moved on and that was it no inquisition they were so used to Guys in our group, we were all super heavy drinkers. They were used to guys just disappearing. And, you know, unless the story was interesting and involved a strange pair of underwear, then they didn't really want to hear it. And they knew I was with you and they didn't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. They knew we were fighting. And, you know, so they, I remember being nervous about, ugh, they're going to want to hear, you know, they're going to want to know what happened. And they didn't. They didn't care. They didn't. They were they were probably all like, "Wonder how long this wedding, how long this marriage is going to last?" Anyway, not a lot of confidence in us from what they'd seen, and they did not grill me. And so from that point on, other than me being tired, it was as though nothing had happened on the outside. On the outside. Mm-hmm. So whatever the schedule was for the day, we continued on with it. It sounded like you did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do you even remember? Like, was your mom shocked that you hadn't come home the night before? Or- well,
1: somehow I must have. I think that when I told her I was going to hang out with the girls for a little bit I think she was rather disappointed because she wanted me to be home and we could have like a, you know
0: A nice evening, a right nice evening and
1: Yeah, and I think that that just goes to show the immaturity and we had lived away for two years out of state where we really hadn't had like really close friends Um, so I think it wasn't Altogether surprising, where I chose my friends over spending time with her Mm -hmm. in the evening, and I think at one point I may have called her that night and just said I was gonna like stay at Katie's because we watched a band. I'm sure I lied, and it could have been after I ran into you and I said, you know, I'm just gonna stay at Katie's.
0: So you got home, but I got home the next morning and I said, yeah,
1: no, no, like I, I mean, I got home and I know she was disappointed and. I'm sure I didn't look super great. I looked a little worse for the wear. But then I showered and got my makeup on and
0: we got all ready. I remember being, you know, relieved. Not surprised, that would be too strong a word, but I was relieved to see you at the, at the church when we got there early for the pictures. That was the next time we saw each other after we left that hotel room. Mm-hmm. Because... I would, you know, I don't know. It wasn't like fifty-fifty in my mind that you weren't going to show up, but there was a there was doubt because that had been a, a really bad night, and you know, it's not like a bad night that you have just at any point in time in the relationship. It's the night before your wedding. It's the night before you are committing your life to someone else. Mm-hmm. So I thought. That might have sown enough doubt that you weren't going to show up. Did you have any doubt?
1: I did. I did have a lot of doubt.
0: Did you, Was it strong enough? Like, you know, I think a lot of people, once they're, you know, the, the horse is out of the barn, so to speak, right? The wedding party's already in town. People have flown from across the country to come mm-hmm. to this thing. We've paid for the reception. The wheels are all in motion, was that as much a factor in keeping you moving forward and going through with it as, it, as I think it was for you? Or, or, or was there something... Like, why did you show up at the church?
1: Well, I didn't feel like I could, like, walk away from everything. Like you said, like, it was already planned. It was there. Um, you know, people were in town. And quite honestly, I thought, well, it's not like we already have kids together. And
0: I thought, mm-hmm. you know,
1: I kept thinking, well, maybe it's going to get better. Maybe it's going to get better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No signs were indicating that it would. But you were hopeful. Right. You were hopeful. Not uncommon. Not uncommon. So we're at the church. I remember the only other. I don't think necessarily alcohol related mishap was one of the bridesmaids tripped up the steps to the church she was running late that's what it was she was running she was late to the wedding hungover. <laughs> Yeah she was probably a little hungover and she tripped up the steps to the wedding to the church and hit her head hard and got a concussion I think if that had happened nowadays like we would have gotten her medical treatment yeah. But back then, you know, back in the days of football players, when they get concussions, you just say, ah, oh, you got your bell rung. Get back in there, you know? We didn't take concussions terribly seriously back then. Yeah. The only thing I remember was that we didn't let her drink in the limousine after the service on the way to the reception. And we actually, before we, like, we wanted to give everyone else time to get to the reception. So we run out of the church. They throw rice or bubbles or whatever it was. We get in the limo. And then we had a, a route designed for the limo driver to drive around town. I think mm-hmm. we went to my fraternity, mm-hmm. took a couple pictures. Like we did some stuff before we went to the reception. So we were in the limo for quite a while. And, you know, the outward reason for that, the reason we tell everyone else is because we want to let everyone get a chance to get from the church to the reception before we show up. That way we can make our grand entrance at the reception. Well, and there were other
1: places in Bloomington, like on campus, where we wanted to have our picture taken, so we did.
0: Well, and and maybe that's what you wanted. But in my mind, it was, oh, as long as there's booze in a limo, that limo ride can take six hours. I don't really care. Mm -hmm. I'm with my best friends in the world and my wife, and there's booze, and we're in a limousine, which I don't get to do very often. Or ever, really, except other people's weddings.
1: Yeah, except, like, the... Two years around that time when everybody got married. Yeah.
0: But, so we drive around and we're drinking and we wouldn't let the woman who got concussed drink. I don't think we held to that at the reception. I think by then we were like, ah, she must be fine. She's still standing. So I'm pretty sure she drank at the reception.
1: Yeah. I don't think she drank that much because she was one of my roommates and worked at the bar with us. But she didn't drink too much. Typically... Um, but I think she knew she was hurt. So yeah, cause they didn't stay that long at the reception and they actually went back to their hotel room for a little bit and then met us out a little bit later on, but she wasn't drinking then. So, so
0: we were a little worried about the concussed yeah, girl, but not, about her. not too bad, but that, you know, that should have been like a huge omen, like a warning sign when, when she tripped up the steps to the church and got concussed, we should have, I mean, I'm glad we didn't now. It was like another sign from the universe. You need to call this off. Wasn't last night bad enough? Now people in your wedding party are getting hurt. But we didn't. We forged ahead. We got married. We drove around in the limousine for an hour drinking champagne. And then we went to the reception and drank and partied and had fun with all of our guests. And it was a good time but in the back of my head the whole time I knew what had happened the night before and it was like this lingering shame it was like who else here knows I mean nobody could have known nobody did know Mm -hmm. but it was I was embarrassed even though there was nothing necessarily to be embarrassed about I had had enough liquid courage by that point that I wasn't you know I wasn't shy or hiding in the corner or wanting the whole thing to be over yeah. But there was still this You're
1: also probably drinking a little to kind of get rid of those feelings of shame and the memory of the night before.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> it was just a regrettable incident all the way around. And it was so emblematic of what the early part of our relationship would look like. Before I was necessarily addicted, but I was definitely a big fan of alcohol, and early on you were you were drinking too. Those nights when some minor infraction could turn into a knockdown, drag out, all night argument were way, way, way too common. Mm-hmm. And the night before the wedding was just kind of the start of it. At, toward the end of the reception or, or I guess when, when our however long we had rented the reception place for, I think we were supposed to be out of there at midnight or something like that. Mm-hmm. We we took the party on the road. Uh, the people from the next generation up for from us, for like for instance our parents, or the camcorder guy, or Aunt Karen, <laughs> they all went back to their hotel rooms at the end of the reception and called it a night, but all the people in our generation, the 20-somethings, we moved on to the bar that we used to work at and kept... The party going. Just kept drinking and drinking and drinking. And I remember the the manager at the bar that night was I don't do you, I don't remember who was managing, but whoever it was let us get behind the bar and we served drinks for a few minutes. Um and they kind of made a big deal. Oh, Matt and Cherry just got married and all these college kids who didn't know us were like, Woo, Matt and Cherry got married. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we were I think I still had my tux on and you had changed out of your wedding gown into a slightly more comfortable dress, yeah, like but we were still dressed dress. up and yeah. serving drinks. But so that was the priority. I mean, the reception was officially over. We could have gone back. I mean, it's our wedding day. It's the day that you and I bonded our lives to each other. We could have gone back to the... We had a really nice hotel room rented separate from the yeah, guys' hotel. Like bed and breakfast. Yeah, it was... And nobody knew where it was, so that none of the guys would mess with it, because that was a thing that people in their 20s do, is, you know, get into the room and screw it up for the bride. The honeymoon suite. The honeymoon suite. Yeah. So, we didn't go there. We stayed out till, you know, basically till the bars closed at 3 o'clock in the morning, and kept the party going. And then... You know, eventually we went back to the room, but we were exhausted. We were drunk. I mean, I'm sure we had sex. I have no doubt that we had sex. It was our wedding night, and, you know, I'm just a horny human being. So I have no doubt that we did. But it wasn't what wedding night sex is supposed to be. Now, we had already lived together. It wasn't like we were going to consummate the marriage. But it still should be special, shouldn't it?
1: Yeah shouldn't
0: be. And there was there was nothing special about it. Right? right?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't remember because I yeah, I don't remember.
0: We were exhausted, we were in pain, and we had a relatively early flight the next day for our honeymoon. So you know, I I mean, I am so full of regrets from our wedding and they're all regrets that haven't come out until my Permanent sobriety because for a long time when I was still drinking, I looked at our wedding as it was a great party. Uh we did write by all of our friends. There was as as we said earlier, an open bar, so nobody wanted for anything. We went to the bar we used to work afterwards and kept drinking. We didn't you know, we didn't we didn't ditch our friends on our wedding night. Yeah. We didn't leave them all to their own. Yeah. We stayed, you know, we didn't go and you know i don't know it's disgusting we didn't we didn't go and celebrate the fact that we had just started our lives together officially we stayed out with our friends and drank and at the time that was a source of pride for me and now looking back it's regrettable and i'm not saying that it caused all the problems in our marriage but it certainly wasn't a good way to get off to a start
1: yeah
0: and i think i think our story is far more typical than Then we realize, I think, lots of people, you know, it starts as a party. Mm -hmm. And even before the addiction takes place where you clearly, you are prioritizing alcohol over the people that you love in your life. I was prioritizing alcohol over the people I loved in my life when I was an alcoholic. Even before that, you're kind of setting the stage and saying you know i i wouldn't have stayed out at the bars on our wedding night without you, sherry. I wouldn't have chosen alcohol over you if you had said that's it, I'm going into the the bridal suite or whatever we called it. But i i was certainly happy that you wanted to stay out too because i wanted to drink more and i wanted to party more and i just i think our priorities were so out of whack. Not to say that spending time with friends is a bad thing, but you know we had basically been with them all weekend
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it was It was time for us to <clears throat> you know to spend some time on the thing that we were there to do get married do you how do you when you look <clears throat> back on our wedding night or the night before our wedding, how does it make you feel?
1: um you know I'm very sad and embarrassed and just disappointed. But I also kind of think like where we were and our age and immaturity, I don't know. I don't know if it could have gone any other way because we got married and it was a college town that, you know, so then we could have access. And we even said it, so we could have access to all the places that we were comfortable with and knew. I mean, we were living in Chicago Um, at the time you're not from Bloomington I'm from the next town over I mean we could have done things differently but we prioritized putting that party in party scene and reuniting and being back in our college town as such a as such an important part of our marriage Um, it definitely looking back I feel like wow that should have just spoken volumes yeah you know, but it was it was it was easy for me because my family was from a, basically like a half an hour away, so you know, or an hour away. So I do kind of feel like it kind of made sense for me because I couldn't have really fought it because in my hometown there wasn't a whole lot of places to have a reception and a good time and there wasn't hotels to stay yeah, in And
0: if, if any of your family listens to this I hope that they're not <laughs> offended but there was no way we were getting married in I mean we had thought that about That was a little town of 5,000 people it's Like 2,500
1: <laughs> Maybe We, were, we yeah.
0: weren't getting married there Yeah
1: so um, But it was just you know I kind of looked like well you know we were young and immature and missing friends and like we would, you know, that it just made sense. But then just when I look back as an adult, you know, I say, oh, gosh, that was just a way to have a huge party. And that's kind of how we looked at our wedding. We didn't look at it like it was something serious, like a marriage is, you know, is a big investment. I don't feel like we looked at it like that. I feel we looked at it like that's a way to have a party and have our friends there.
0: Yeah. When, when you showed up at the church on wedding day, you said earlier that you did that because you hoped that it would get better.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, you can't walk into a church and go through with it knowing that it's going to end. You
2: know, you have to have hope that. He's still going to be the guy I was thinking it was going to be. He's going to slow down drinking now. And we're not going to party like this all the time. And, you know, like, he's going to start maturing a little bit more because now we're actually married. We're not just living together. And, you know, it's more serious.
0: I think that's a really important point. I think the obvious change that takes place in marriages is when they have kids. And that's the point where often, often, often the mother stops drinking or slows way, way down matures. And part of it is, you is know, semi-forced, right? Because it's unhealthy to drink when you're pregnant and it's, you, you can't breastfeed when you're actively drinking, so part of the maturity is forced. But I've said this before. I thank God that women give birth and men don't, because I I don't think men have the strength to quit. I think there would fetal alcohol syndrome would be rampant if men gave birth, because I don't think they have the strength to quit when the when if they were you know when the pregnancy happens. So that's the. That's the turning point that's the most obvious and that we talk most about with people. Oh, we had kids, time to grow up. You know, someone's gotta get up at two o'clock in the morning when the baby's crying. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can share that responsibility. Maybe you cannot still be drunk from your four cocktails you had before dinner. That's that's the conversation that we most typically have, but I think you make a really good point in your mind and I think in the mind of a lot of women a lot of spouses of, of people who eventually become alcoholics there's this notion that yeah it's it wasn't so good when we were dating there was too much drinking and the pattern was bad and you know in our case the night before the wedding was one of the worst that we had just vicious all-nighter fight over nothing that we can even really remember the details of. And you've got a good memory. So the fact that you don't remember the details and we had to just guess what we were fighting about the night before the wedding that speaks volumes. But you still looked at the wedding vows and the process of getting married as a turning point. Maybe this guy will mature.
1: Because we had talked about it. Like how we didn't Look at, like, divorce is an option in a way that we were going to try to work things out. So, I kind of felt like, so you know where, you know, you know where we are. Like, we're going to try to do, before we decided to get married and, and go through with, you know, I think that you... I think we were engaged, and we didn't really talk about what our viewpoints were on marriage. I think we were engaged. But then during our engagement and living together, we, like, you know, so can't, it's, you know, we just can't, you know, just walk away. We have to, like, really work on it and be committed to working on the relationship and working on the marriage and staying together. And um, so I guess... Because we had some incidences when, you know, we lived together that I was like, gosh, you know, good thing we're not married because then I could just leave and walk away. Yeah. I could just
2: move back home. Yeah. A couple times I really wanted to.
0: But you stayed. You kept trying. I you stayed, and then it was
2: like, oh, now we're married. There's a ring on our finger, and it's going to be harder to walk away. And, and like, what you do is going to affect me in having an impact, because I looked at it like, because now, like, legally we're, we're bound to one another. And so, like, you know, we're sharing insurance policies. We're sharing bank accounts, you know, financials. So, like, if you screw up, I'm impacted because my name was your last name now. And now I'm tied to you. And that's why I guess I kept thinking was like, oh, hopefully it gets better. It's gotta get better. Like there's gonna be this turning point. Like you're a married man now. You can't just, not like you ever did, but because we would go together, but you can't go hang out at a bar with friends or you know, you have an excuse. Like if you've got somebody in town for work that's from out of town and you're hosting them, you know, you don't have to entertain them all night long. You can take them back to the hotel room at midnight and be like, I have to go home to my wife, you know. So I guess in my mind I kept thinking that there will be this turning point of more maturity and slowing down and understanding that we both impact one another just legally because now we're married.
0: And there wasn't. None of that happened until it was almost too late the, the gentleman who married us We got married in an Episcopal church And again, this was more about location, proximity, the party Than it was anything else It was a pretty church It was on the street where all the bars were It was within walking distance of the reception For the people that weren't going to drive around in a limo <laughs> for an hour and so that's how we chose the church. We weren't, that was not our denomination. The, I don't know what you call an Episcopal. I don't know if they're a priest or a pastor or a minister, or whatever. The, I think they're priests. The Episcopal guy <laughs> met with us beforehand and said he would marry us, but he wanted us to go through premarital counseling. And since we didn't live in Bloomington, Indiana, we needed to find premarital counseling where we lived. And by the time we got married, we lived in Chicago, but when we were planning for the wedding, we lived in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, because we'd only lived in Chicago for like
0: two and a half months. When we got married. Before we got married, yeah. So So we were moving. Even the premarital counseling that we found was just a party.
1: Yeah, we went with a set of friends. It was Precana. Is that how you pronounce
0: it? So it was Catholic?
1: So it was Catholic because Debbie and Justin were Catholic and that she was the receptionist at the um, building where you worked. Um, for uh, a company.
0: And yeah, so it was a few weekends in a row, I think, right? Yeah. Like, Friday and Saturday night classes, something like that, or all day Saturday. They were, uh, they were all day Saturday.
1: Yeah, it was, like, all day Saturday, but definitely, like, it was, like, a Friday evening for some time. And they, yeah, so they drove up after and was in, like, in our neighborhood in St. Paul.
0: And so we go... Close. And then we'd go out with, with them, go out to the bar. <clears throat> yeah. So even even the premarital counseling, we didn't take seriously. Yeah, you were really hungover
1: in one of them, and you were probably still kind of drunk on a Saturday morning. We had to start out by writing a letter to our future spouse, and we were supposed to open it on our year anniversary. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and you had the start of a sty. And that's what your I, letter was about, was a tie in your eye. Like, we didn't even take, like, the counseling and the listening to what they were talking about seriously. Now, granted, there was a big section about, like, child, you know, or birth control and that sort of... And, and we didn't... we weren't Catholic, so we really didn't... Oh, about
0: the rhythm method? Yeah. So we were ignoring that part.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Ironically, this woman every time she went back to get another degree, she got pregnant. I'm thinking she wasn't paying much attention to her body to try to avoid that. But
0: who is this woman? The
1: she was the she was the daughter of the couple that were hosting the precana classes. Okay. They weren't like priests and nuns that were doing it. It was like but they were Catholic it was a Catholic family that that was um doing it. So I'm glad I paid more attention to you but like some of the stuff they talked about working out, I remember listening to them and being like, "Oh, that'll never happen. Oh, that'll never happen." Like, yeah, being respectful and taking time for each person to have their turn talking. And
0: so here we are, the adults in the room. In this case, the the Episcopal priest is saying, "You need to do this. It's important. I won't marry you if you don't." So we're like, "Whatever. All right, fine. We'll do his stupid thing." And then we go and the adults in the room that are teaching the class dedicate, you know, several weekends to trying to help us get our life together off to a good start. And we blew it off. It was just Mm -hmm. getting in the way of the party. And, (coughs) you know, it brought us together with other people that would go out and party with us after and we could all complain about how stupid and boring it was. Mm Mm-hmm. The adults in the room are talking and we're ignoring them.
1: Yeah, never, never, and we're supposed to be adults, right? But we never, like, took into consideration. I'm sure there were a few couples in there that were really paying attention and listening. Yeah, but... But I think most of them were kind of like, oh, we just have to do this because we're Catholic. Goodness. It's
0: it's like, you know, I've got therapist friends now that do, that do addiction counseling and they talk about the court-ordered DUI people that come in and they they've got to take this therapy and this counseling and they're only there because the judge is making them be there and they're only there to get their piece of paper signed and they don't listen to a darn thing the therapist says and they have no interest in in uh, <coughs> fixing their life or getting over their addiction <coughs> we got you crying a little bit yeah now there's a lot of yeah but it's not. That's, that's like it was like we were at this court ordered Premarital counseling I mean, We class. kind of
1: were. I mean, it wasn't court ordered, but. pre ordered. Priest ordered.
0: Or... If we wanted to get married in Reverend that church, ordered. which was on the right street where all the bars <coughs> were, which was close to the reception, mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful church, we had to do what this guy said. Yeah. So we did it, and that's exactly how we looked at it. We didn't look at it like someone who's, you know, got 30 years on us has given us some really sound advice, and we should think about it and take it take it to heart, we just looked at it like, that old dude wants us to do this stupid thing, so let's, I guess we gotta do it.
1: I mean, I did respect it in in some ways that, yes, having a conversation or two you know, or sessions or whatever with someone about marriage was important. <coughs> Excuse me, I definitely believed that. I just, you know, I was just like, ah. We're in St. Paul. We don't know anything. We didn't have, a, like, a pastor that we were really going to church. Because I don't think that those first two years out, we didn't go to church. So I was like... Oh, this well, we is were just...
0: Methodist or Presbyterian anyway. They don't have formal premarital counseling.
1: Right. But what I'm saying, we didn't even have, like, a... a we hadn't been going to church, so we didn't even have a pastor that we could, like, reach out to. Yeah. To say, you know, can we <clears throat> do some quick things, but... um I kind of feel like, I wish that, you know, I've I've jokingly said, oh, I think before anybody gets married they should do counseling, but I think they would have the same attitude unless they're, I think you need to have counseling, like, or pre classes, like, two years into your
0: marriage when you're a little bit more... Yeah, I wouldn't be called pre-Kana then, because I yeah. think Kana is wedding or right, I don't know, or but it'd be
1: yeah, like afterwards, like I think.
0: Post Cana like classes. <laughs> like <laughs> those do is, exist.
1: Two year check-in classes.
0: Those do exist. There's no shortage of marital counselors mm-hmm. out there. But so the just the point of that is just that we turned that into a party too. And when I say we yeah, the blame for that can lie on me. I've got no problem with that. You were probably trying to take it a little more seriously than I was, trying to get something out of it. I was just trying to get the signature on the piece of paper and wanted to go out and party with the other people in our class mm-hmm. on the friday and saturday night after we sat in the room all day listening to stuff that i wasn't listening to so it was another thing that we that was sacred and should have been taken seriously that i turned into a party you know back to the the wedding day and i've i've talked about it a few times now it surprised me a little when you showed up at the church and you were there and I was like, whew, she's going to go through with it. It's on, game on, party on. Did do you ever, did you ever early in our marriage look back on that? Because that was really, you know, literally crossing a threshold into a, a bond together that we both took very seriously. I think everyone, most everyone takes ser- marriage seriously. Did you ever look back on that with regret? Not, not just regret from the night before the argument, the night before, but did you have regret for showing up at the church and saying?
2: I don't have regret for showing up at the church because I already feel like I had made a commitment. I do sometimes, like not, not like considering the kids. I don't want to ever. Make anybody think that I regret having the kids and things like that. But I sometimes do look back and think, why did I go through with this? I mean, I love him. I don't. I don't, and I don't want us to sound terrible. But I also like didn't love you with all of my heart and feel like oh, I'm gonna die if I don't get to be with him. I looked at it like you had a lot of potential and you would be a good spouse and that you had a college degree and you had this good background. I just looked at you as like not an escape or a savior much, but I looked at you with like this great potential of like where I wanted to elevate my life and how I wanted things to be different from what I had. Um. So sometimes I do like look back and regret like why did I like Like, when we were having problems and we're planning the wedding, why did I not say, wait, we need to just stop this? Like, I regret not slowing down and figuring some things out. And then saying, like, are we even really compatible? I mean, is what I want the same as what you want? And I think that, I think that even if we had done that, You would have figured out a way to just be, like, responding the way I wanted you to respond. Yeah. To get...
0: Gaslighting before I even knew what the term meant. (coughs) Yeah. Because
2: there had been many arguments before about how much you drank. Like, when we were, like, that first six months out of college, living in a new town, in a new state. And...
1: Where we barely knew anybody and you were you know plastered in front of your coworkers, and that didn't seem to bother you. So I feel like you know you wouldn't have been
0: you know you're right if you every time you raised the issue, I found a way to weasel out of it, basically and reassure you that it'll get better or it's not as bad as you think it is, one of those two. And that's exactly what I would have done. But I think I think the point is, the point of all of this is we started our lives in a very, very typical way. And it's easy to look back with regret, either for having gone through with the marriage or for not having you know, said we need to readjust our lives and make it the you know make it the relationship where you do feel head over heels in love not just that there's potential but what we did what you did Sherry is i mean it's 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 not just typical it's the norm in my opinion i mean we we centered the Wedding around how many parties can we have in this one one weekend? How many different little parties can we have? We you know rather than prioritizing the bond the importance of the bonds of marriage and the step that we were taking, we prioritized socializing when it came to picking the church, the location of the church, picking the reception hall, and then scheduling all the events that were involved. And we were not alone. There, there, there was a time late in our relationship before I got <laughs> sober where I realized what I'm doing is not normal. But at that time, the things we were doing at that time were normal.
2: Right, and I, mean, I just,
0: I hate the idea that anyone who's in this situation, the same situation that you and I were in, would look back with regret and beat themselves up for, oh, I didn't see the warning signs. How did I get myself in this mess? Why did I let this happen? If you're like us, you did what everyone around you was doing. It was all about the party. And Mm -hmm. the trauma that was taking place in the background had to be dismissed or brushed under the carpet or ignored. Because what we're doing is normal. This is the normal way two people start their lives.
1: Well, and I mean, we had had a few weddings of friends like just weeks before our wedding and a few months before our wedding. So we had seen from the outside that there was... And you were a groomsman. So we had seen that there were all these weddings that were very similarly set up the way ours were with, you know, the guys doing this and having a bachelor party and, you know, going out drinking the night before the wedding and having the rehearsal dinner, you know, the night before the wedding. And so... I definitely know, like from the outside, nothing looked abnormal. I also know that because of a wedding that we had gone to before ours, like one of the couples that was getting married a few weeks before us, um, they they were arguing a month before at another friend's wedding.
0: Yeah, you so know, cause they... she
1: found out that he had. Take it that his bachelor party had taken him to a strip club at some point and he wasn't into it, but she found it. so you know, this all this sort of trauma and the drunkenness, that crying that was going along with it all like that definitely was very much in step with what we were doing.
0: It was typical, yeah, yeah. So, and all of those people that were involved in all of those parties and all of those situations and all of those weddings that were centered around the alcohol. They didn't all end up alcoholics. Right. So
1: and they all didn't end up divorced. Another
0: little plug for it's it's not the alcoholism, it's the alcohol that's the problem. It's everywhere and it's it's not doing us any favors. So this story I think again is typical. It's sad, it's tragic, but it's typical. And if it's a story that resonates with you, we'd love for you to check out our group that's all about communication Echoes of Recovery we call it you can find more information at echoesofrecovery.com e-c-h-o-e-s dot com and if you're the loved one of an alcoholic and you you look back with regrets and you blame yourself for letting things happen don't and come talk about it with us and we'll help you realize and we'll help you Find the uh, the strength and the instincts to do what's right and find healing going forward. Aunt Karen, if you're listening, we love you. You're absolutely beautiful. I can see why the camcorder troll was following mm-hmm. you around. Yeah. <laughs> Even though when we try to look back on our wedding video, it's pretty hilarious. <coughs> it's the Karen show. It's the Karen show. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for going down memory lane, Sherry. I know this was not an easy one, but as always, we appreciate you representing your true feelings and not holding back. For my wife, Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis, and we thank you for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast.